Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. I am honored to honestly introduce to you guys uh, a friend, but honestly a brother, uh, my the my friend Max and Keisha Southern, my friends, uh, they're church planners. They they stepped away from a position in Poplar Bluff, and the Lord called them to go plant a church in Shelbyville, uh, Indiana. I'm not going to get into all that, but they stepped and they went, and God's making a way, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have so many stories about Max. Um, he is, I'm going to embarrass you, can't, I'm, I'm, uh, it's because he's my friend, he's, he's, he's my teddy bear, because he has more hair than a teddy bear, minus his head, um, um, but, I'm sorry, oh, uh, when, when I went through my car accident, this guy, being ordained by God, studying to get into the ministry to become a pastor at Central Bible College lied to the hospital and said that I was his brother. And then they thought my head, like I, I, I had to have brain surgery, guys, but they're saying, Ryan, your brother's here to visit. Well, biologically, I have no brothers. So I'm like, I don't have a brother. And the, all the nurses and the doctors are like, oh my gosh, he's forgot his family. And Max is out there going, <laughs> Max is out there, no, he's my brother, let me back. And, uh, and no, but that 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 is a prophetic statement. He really is my brother, and um, it's an honor to have um, them with us. I I've been spoke I've been spoken life into. Um, there have been times where I wanted to quit and walk away, and he spoke life into me. Where um, <laughs> I didn't, and so um, guys, get up here before I cry. Gosh. Um, I'm honored. This is Max and Keisha Southern, and they're going to bring the word. You big baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Love you, too. So when I walked up to the hospital desk, they let me, they took me back there that day. And um, so after they talked to him and he had that moment with him, they come back there and they're like, hey, I he didn't have a brother, but come on back. Like I said, well, actually, he's really not. Uh, but you know, we're we're really close. And I went back there, and I was like, I was like, hey, you know, it's pretty bad accident. I was like, hey, I said, what's your name? He goes, James. And I was like, and all the nurses stopped and looked at me, and I'm like, ah, great, right? Like he really is. And I was like, hey, man. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm reading the book of James right now. I'm like, that's the most Ryan thing you could have said after you got ejected out of a car. But thank you so much, uh, Ryan and Amy both, um, for having us out, supporting our church plant. This is a picture of us when I had a little bit more, well, had hair on my head and on my face, and we were younger, and we were youth pastoring at the time. Uh, All four of us were. um, Look at those babies. 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 Um, But anyways, we're just, thank you guys for trusting us. Uh, with the sacred responsibility and and to speak 
uh, to share our hearts, but also to speak life today as well. Um, and then also, I want to let uh, Pastor Andy know before he gets any other ideas that, you know, I was the original third wheel for Ryan and Amy. This is when they were dating, okay, in Springfield, cupcakes, all that stuff. I was the original third wheel, so um, just don't ever forget. And so, uh, but we're Team Southern, and uh, this is a picture of our family. Uh, most of you have seen our kids running around and watching our daughter crash into the door. That was great, good moments. But this is like a picture perfect. This is the picture she posted online. But you know, most of you have kids, like you know that this is actually what reality is when you're trying to get a family picture. And so we got to go uh, to the Niagara Falls with some family recently. And uh, that's actually what yeah, it was really so like. So we thought it was important that you would know we are real people. And this is really about is 95% of the time what life. we look like. So can we be real with you today yeah. as we talk about what God has called us to do, who we are, and all of that. So just remember these moments because I know that you all have them. If any of you have uh, dealt with children, whoo. So my name is Keisha. I grew up in Marshall, Missouri, just outside of Springfield. Um, Max grew up in Whiteland, Indiana, and God led him to uh, Springfield, Missouri to go to a Bible college, which is also where God led me to go um, to pursue our education, and that is where we met um, in Springfield um, at CBC. Uh, we were married, and not like the next day, um, but, you know, it was a couple years later, we were married. Um, I was just, we were watching what Enchanted just yesterday, and she said, and she met the prince, and he said, we will be married in the morning. Um, so, no, it was not like that. Um, we, uh, we were youth pastors for six years in my hometown of Marshfield, Missouri. Had a wonderful time there um, being the youth pastors. I was the children's pastor there for five years prior to us being youth pastors. Um, and then God called us to a little town um, in the boot heel of Missouri to be the executive pastors at um, a church bluff first, um, where we have been for the last three years up until this summer um, when we uh, picked up and moved our life and our family um, to Indiana to follow God's call on our life. Um, I am a counselor. I work primarily in the school system as a counselor, um, and God has just really um, led us to do some crazy things. So we're, we just want to share that with you this morning. Can we share about what God has called us to do? And, and as we talk about that, hopefully he'll um, challenge all of us today to take some steps of faith and to follow him. So yeah, it was during that time as youth pastors uh, when God placed this vision and this dream in our hearts to plant a church. Uh, it was on December 6, 2016. And I was praying. I was like, God, I, re I really need to hear from you. Like, I want to know what is it? What is the thing that you have for us? Like, what's the big assignment? And so, I, you know, at the time I was praying about, we were praying about going to my old youth pastor's church um, where he was planting in Illinois, and uh, which we got to be there last weekend, which was yeah. really cool. Uh, but anyways, we, um, so I was praying, I was like, all right, to go to Phil's is letter A, and to plant a church is letter B. And so I was praying, I was like, God, you know, you know it's getting desperate when you're throwing A's and B's out to God, right? And so I'm throwing that out there, and I'm like, God, what is it? And I continue to only see letter B in my head. 
continually and it's plant a church and like that was obviously the way harder option and so uh this is this is the notes from my journal phil's is a plant a church is b continue only see letter b in my head and i felt god saying that this was his will for our life this is what we were called to do and so i asked god why and he said to stretch you to stretch us and so i, I get this word from the lord and and then i'm still uh, in my current place of ministry, and I knew we weren't supposed to leave yet, so we continue to serve well and honor as well as we can, could. Uh, we, we got to serve our great friends, Doug and Sherry Sampley, like they're awesome, we love them. And then God even moved us somewhere else before he finally spoke, all right, now it's time. Because our timing and God's timing is always misaligned, right? We're trying to go too fast, and God's like, no, my timing is perfect, right? Like, I have a time and a moment for you. And so for him, now's the time. And that's what we felt like uh, in the spring, in the spring when, when we were uh, finalizing this decision, because we could have stayed at our other church and stayed on staff longer. And as we worked on this, we felt like the Holy Spirit tell us, no, now is the time. You have to get there. You got to go. Absolutely. Have you ever experienced that where you, you wanted something to happen so bad or you wanted God to move you in a certain direction and he just said no either no for good or no just not yet and as we went through that in our family and in our life um, sometimes we know that the things that we think are right are not God's plan or not God's plan yet so he knew he had something else in store for our family and as we transitioned to that church and bluff verse in Poplar Bluff we spent three years there growing exponentially in our family and our personal um, and spiritual health. We, got, we saw God move through us in great ways. We pastored young families. We learned a lot about ministering to people and building lifelong relationships, uh, a lot of church leadership lessons, and a, a, how to do ministry out of the box. It was a training ground for what we knew God was calling us to do. And before this position, if I ever was asked the question, what would you do? If you knew you would not fail, my answer was always, I would plant a church. But over the course of three years of being on staff in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, uh, every year that went by, things were going so well, I got more afraid of this calling that God had spoke to us years before. I kept pushing it off and putting it aside. And I, I, we even applied at a different church in Indiana before we uh, stepped into the calling of planting a church. And obviously that church didn't go well, the, the interview there or whatever, the process. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's will for our life. And so, um, you know, before taking this step, God was equipping us and challenging us. And we finally, through prayer, through people speaking it, confirming it over our life, we said, all right. This is the time we're going to do this, and we're preparing to launch the Ville Church in Shelbyville, Indiana, uh, in September, in September of this next year. So why Shelbyville? Why Shelbyville? That's always the big question that everyone's asking me. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a sexy place. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why people are asking me, why Shelbyville, like of all places? And uh, it's the county seat of the, uh, a county seat, which is one of the county is also one of the donut counties of Indianapolis. So if Indianapolis was the center of the donut where there's no donut and everyone say, oh, that's where you get your donut holes from, though, right? They punch them out. Anyways, if that was Indianapolis and the donut was represented the counties, then it's the southeast corner of that or edge. There's no corner. It's not a square donut, Max. Move on with this. OK, anyways. So. 
Um, the southeast uh, of Indianapolis is where it's located at. And um, the big thing for us there is that there's no Assemblies of God church in the whole county or in the county east of uh, east of it, in Rush County. And Rushville, in Rush County, has the highest suicide rate in the whole state of Indiana. And so this area, we feel like, is just in such need of the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. It's, so, it's in such need of, of Jesus entering people's life and freedom and miracles and healings taking place and people coming back to faith and, and God restoring things. And we feel like now is the time for us to go. Currently, 65% of Shelby County, of the 44,000 people there, are unclaimed for the gospel. 65% of the county. And see, we want people to get, see people get saved. Uh, we don't want to see people switch churches, right? We want to see um, people receive Jesus Christ. And we want to see their family histories change forever. I was, I was subbing this past week in Shelby County, and uh, one of the teachers... Uh, substitute teachers was from Shelbyville, and she was sitting across from me. There was three or four of us in there, and uh, eventually, I, I, no one knew who I was. So here I was, this big giant man, interesting, in the lunch teachers' work lunch area, whatever. And uh, eventually, he's like, "Well, who are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just substituting, you know." And I'm just waiting. I'm like, "Let me give it some time before I finally drop in the I'm a pastor thing, because then the whole room changes once that happens." And so it's like, "I'm just gonna wait." And so I was waiting. And then finally she looked at me like, well, you're moving to Shelbyville? And I said, yeah. She said, well, good luck. I said, no, no, it's a great thing. Like, we're really excited. It's a great thing. She's like, no, it's not. And then she began to talk so negatively about the community she's been living in for 35 years. And then about 10 minutes after that, so I'm trying to keep my composure because I'm like, no, there's so much hope, right? There's so much hope. Like, we're so excited. 10 minutes later, the teacher next to me talked about how the kids in this current this school I was in uh, had so much apathy. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's tied to the fact that people think that this community's never going to change. And see, so we're excited to step into that. We're excited to uh, go there and bring a life-giving church to Shelbyville that also spreads out and spreads that hope of Jesus into the county. Yep. Our role and our prayer is that God would use us to be a light in a dark place. And we're getting to know our community. We're falling in love with people and falling in love with where God has called us to be. And we know here at C1, you guys are in the middle of a missions emphasis, right? Pastor Ryan didn't, like, mislead us. We're doing a missions. Okay, missions emphasis. Perfect. Well, as Christians, um, Acts is a huge, encouraging um, letter that's all about, you know, people getting saved, uh, all nations, all tribes, um, getting saved and just filled with the Spirit and, and going forth and building the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles today, I promise we're not just going to give you our spiel, but we're going to actually... I want you to open up um, and we're going to talk about one of the prayers that we are praying over Shelbyville and we are praying over you guys here in Columbia um, can be found in Acts uh, chapter 16. Uh, I believe it'll be on the screen, but if it's not on the screen, um, I'm all about old school. So if you have, you know, the actual paper Bible, uh, you can open up to there. But let me read to you this story. Um, and uh, as I read this story, uh, let's just, um, let's, let's ask God to make this 
your prayer for your community as it is our prayer for our community. It's a, actually a random story in verse 16 about Paul and Silas. They're traveling through Philippi, spreading the message of Jesus. And it says this, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predict, predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved, which I think is interesting right there because even demons can recognize and know the power of Jesus Christ in someone. Uh, she kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and he looked and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hopes of making money were gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Then they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar by advocating for customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and, uh, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas, in their prison cell, were doing what? praising and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were all listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought his prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and he asked, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole house. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Immediately, him and his family were all baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before, him, before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, not just him, but his entire family in that moment. As I pray and I read through this story, I see two very important parts that we have been praying daily over Shelbyville. As God has grown our heart for these people in this community. First, Paul and Silas, they met this slave girl who was spiritually and mentally and emotionally in bondage. And as we study our community, we can see that there is a lot of um, bondage. There are a lot of chains that our people are dealing with, and I would probably make the assumption that they're similar to, to chains that you see in people you love right here in this community. Anxiety rates in Shelbyville 
are 5% higher than the national average. Depression rates 6% higher. Opioid addiction rates are 13% higher than the national average. You know, while some would have been afraid of this girl that was chasing Paul and Silas and calling attention to them, they knew that they were called by Christ and for Christ. And in Jesus' name, there was nothing that was impossible. And they looked at her, they commanded the spirit to come out, and she was set free in that moment. You see, there are men and women that we know we're going to meet. We have yet to meet people in our community that are going to be facing emotional slavery and spiritual bondage. And I pray, because just as Pastor Ryan said, that the, the name of Jesus... He has not changed. Or was that Pastor Amy? That he has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Max mentioned that he had been substitute teaching in the schools. And that is, you know, the, one of the common things that he keeps when he encounters people and he talks and we do research into Shelbyville. He keeps encountering this need that there is a need for mental health. There is a need for um, liberation and sort of an oppression over our community. And life is hard. You know, our family, we know that life can be very, very hard and overwhelming at times. We know what it's like to hurt deeply. And that's why we know that we are called to these people we have yet to meet because we have a, a story to share with them about a God who delivers and saves and brings us out of the mess. So. See, within a two-year period for us, we went through uh, grief entered our home. Uh, we lost Keisha's mother, and then we had two miscarriages uh, between our children. And for me, I personally, I battle with anxiety and depression. Uh, I take medicine for it. Uh, but you know what? I can be, a, I, I realized through this journey, I can be a Christian, I can be a pastor, and I can take some medicine, and I can still pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Because I believe, I told my doctor, I said, listen, I said, I understand you're increasing my dosage. This was just a couple weeks ago. I said, but if that's what it takes for us to do what we're called to do, and then eventually I can get off of this, I can receive the freedom I need, then that's fine. But I'm not going to be on this forever, because that doesn't define me, and it's not who I am. But I know that I'm not alone. I know that there's other people that struggle with that as well, and other people who have uh, loss in their life, people close to them, whether it was a mom or their own children, uh, you know, list goes on and on, all of us. How many of you have experienced loss here in the last couple years? Okay, most of us in this room. Someone close to us, and grief, it, it changes things. It changes things. But I pers uh, it was actually in the middle of this darkest time for us, in the middle of losing Keisha's mother and our two miscarriages, when God spoke this dream to us. So here we were in the middle of the hardest season of our life as of yet. And God says, this is what I want you to do. And I'm like, God, I'm nowhere close to to being ready for this. We're struggling so, so bad. We're, we're hurting so deeply uh, but, but the reality is God didn't leave us there, and we, didn't, we decided not to stay there as well. And you don't have to stay there. The people in Shelbyville don't have to stay there. You see, we can heal. 
We can let God take our mess and turn it into our message. That's what we pray over the people uh, that God will reach through the Ville Church in Shelbyville, that people will receive that. Uh, the strongholds of depression, anxiety, grief, and addiction, that people become saved and set free from that. And that people from that community begin to speak about it, and they say it's because the name of Jesus, not the church name, not me and Keisha because we decided to move there, but because the name of Jesus that we were healed and set free, and it was only through that name. Amen. And, you know, we expect, just like Paul and Silas, that we are going to face some opposition. Now, I'm going to pray right now we're not beaten and um, imprisoned. Uh, with our feet in stocks, you know, you I'm, I'm hoping jail? that the opposition doesn't. You don't want to be prison, Mike? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay. I do not want to be in prison. But, you know, in the name of Jesus, whatever he has for our family. But whatever that opposition is that comes at us um, from Satan, because there is spiritual warfare 100%. Um, we plan to face it with praise. It's how we've always handled things. And it was while Paul and Silas worshipped in that prison cell. The refusing to let Satan stop their mission, that their chains, more chains, were broken. This time it was cell doors shaken open and chains, physical chains that fell off. And still, when they could have ran for their personal protection, they saw hurting people. And they had eyes that saw the jailer who was about to take his own life because he thought he messed up big time. And, and they saw people hurting and they reached out with the hope of Jesus. And what was the result of that? He responded and families were changed. The entire spiritual direction of an entire family was changed generationally from that moment because they saw the hurt and they knew they served a God who could reach that hurt and who was powerful. And so um, our prayer we know that God has perfectly positioned us to minister to the people in Shelbyville. And we are praying for mental and emotional and spiritual chains to be broken. We want to see entire families saved, healed, and restored. And then reaching out to other families to see the same thing happen. And so we just ask today, will you pray for us as we take on this mission that God has called us to here at C1, will you pray for um, the, that mission to be fulfilled? And so that as we reach those people, that God would, would just show up in a powerful, powerful way. And we will pray, we commit, that we will never stop praying for you here in Columbia, Amen. Tennessee, that the same thing will happen in your community where God has called you Amen. to be and to reach and to minister. A couple things here that I've noticed in this passage, overlooking over it, um, is that first, Paul and Silas was in the inner prison. Okay, They were in the center, the middle of all of the, the worst people. Okay, And I've heard stories that potentially there was a lot of like just muck and dirt and lots of gross, nasty things in the center of the prison. I think it's interesting because for us, we want to be right in the center of the city. We want to be right there in the center of all of the mess, all of the people and their struggles and their trials because it's through Jesus Christ. In the middle of that is why people are set free. Okay, in the story, we've seen that here they are in the center of the jail, 
And as they prayed in the worship, walls broke down. That's what we want to see. We want to see walls broke down in people's lives where they actually say, you're the first person or not even being the first person, but I'm talking about this again. I'm sharing about my struggle. I'm sharing about this. And I pray that happens for you too. That as you say, God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. God, put me in the center of the mess. Put me where no one wants to be. And so that I can pray and I can praise. And Jesus can bust the walls around me so that other people can begin to see the hope of Jesus Christ. And I think another thing is interesting is that it said after midnight. How many of you know that's a new day? I pray that the timing of our church plant is right after midnight. That we step into this city and this community and it's a brand new day. It's a new season for people where they can have something fresh, something real, something new. No past judgment, no past history, but something new. And you are able to bring that same thing here. You're able to take that, the gospel message of Jesus Christ and bring that new revelation to somebody. Or bring a new spirit to somebody so that they can experience and encounter Jesus in a new way or in a different way. So that they can be saved and healed and set free. And see, I love that too because it was right after midnight. They washed the feet. They cleaned. They got ready for the day. They forgave. They said, we're going to stay together for a while. We're going to be here. And then we're going to start community. And everyone got saved. It was a brand new day. Our prayer, our prayer is that when this church is planted, you know what? It will be a brand new day for that community. It will be a brand new place for people to encounter the love of Jesus, not just in a building or in a service, but throughout the community as we're out there. Because I think sometimes we think that the safest place or the best place is, is not where the, all the muck in the center of the mess is. But the reality is that's where Jesus meets us. And so we need to find other people because some of us, sometimes, and I'm guilty of this at times, sometimes I don't want to talk to the person or be too involved in the mess. Sometimes it could take too much away from me, too much of my time, too much of my energy, too much of my focus. But this is a reality. We are called to serve others. Amen. And in the middle of our mess, Jesus said, hey, I'm the, I'm the king. Like I am Lord of lords. I'm going to take time to serve and help you in the middle of your mess and that help change your life forever. We can be that same Jesus to someone else, right? Pastor Ryan said it, that we can do even greater things, that's what scripture says, than even Jesus did. You see, in a dream of ours is that the community will begin to see the love of Jesus through us and even be able to call us when needs arise. That we want to be a church that people look at and say, hey, they love people, they care about people, they're kind, they actually live out the gospel, uh, they're developing and training leaders so well. We want to hire somebody from their church. We, we want to see why are they different? What's going on there that it's different than the rest of the community? With all the apathy here in this town, what's happening there that's beginning to change this? We want to hire some from there. We want to be like them. You see, we believe now is the time to raise that standard in our community. Yep, we want to open a daycare and an after-school feeding program through the Ville Church. But also, um, a dream of ours is to have a coffee shop and um, open up a Christian counseling center to address the mental health needs of the people in Shelbyville and use that as an avenue um, to help hurting people find Jesus. We want to see the 28,000 plus who are not claimed for the gospel find a safe place for all generations to access freedom 
through Jesus and tap into their potential to better themselves and our community. You see, Paul and Silas, they followed Jesus. They followed him. They said, hey, no matter where it takes us, we trust you. We believe in you. We know that you're real and that this is worth it. They knew that even though that led them to prison, that that was fine for them. They were still going to praise and pray to God. They're still going to do that because they lived their life like they knew they wouldn't fail. They did. They lived their life like they knew they wouldn't fail. No matter what the outcome, no matter what the outcome, right, they chased God. Let's all stand. So the question we ask to you, our C1 family, is this. What would you do if you knew that you would not fail? What would you do? What would you do? What's something that God's spoken to you or is speaking to you? Something he's laid on your heart and you feel like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough or I'm not ready. This isn't the time. This isn't the season. God, why right now? Don't you realize what's happening in the world? But right now, is you're speaking this now or you're bringing this back up right now. Some of you, God's bringing something up to you. There's something in your life. There's something in, in your spirit or something God spoke to you that, you that needs to be resurrected. And that you need to say, you know what, God? I remember when you spoke that to me. I remember that. I need, some of you need to go back to your prayer journals and, say, and find that, um, that, that promise that God's given you for your life. Or the, the moment when said, someone said that you were going to be healed. Take that, grab a hold of it, bring it back. But how we want to respond this morning is just through this question. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? Because ultimately, following Jesus, if he speaks something, right, the promise, Pastor Ryan's been saying this, the promise is in him speaking it, right? It's done. Once he says go, it's done. Once he says, hey, do this, it's done, right? It is, it is done. That's what he says. It's in the command, go plant a church. It's going to be planted. It's going to, be, it's going to happen. So let's pray. Let's ask God, God, what is it? What's the dream or vision you may have for me, for our community, for our church? And what is it you're asking me to do? If I, couldn't, if I wouldn't fail, God, this is what I would do for your kingdom. This is what I want to see happen. Let's pray.
And if, if there are people today that need to know Jesus Christ, you've never said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again and come be Lord of my life. If you never made that declaration, today I, I want to I want to invite you to. Maybe you have made that declaration, but you haven't been living your life for God. You 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 said that prayer. Uh, you know, we call it the sinner's prayer, but you, you said that, but you went back and, and you started living the way you used to. And, and here's the truth. When you meet God, you change. Proof of salvation isn't some prayer you pray. It's a changed life that you live. And you can pray a prayer all day long, but if, if, if your mouth and your heart aren't in alignment, you're never going to get saved. And the truth is, if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus, I've been going through it and I just, I need to give my life to him. I need to get my act together. And he's, he's going to be what we just heard. You know, he's the hope of the world. He's the one that brings um, freedom from depression, drug addiction and all that. And, and we, we could try all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, there is freedom in Christ. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision or you need to recommit your life to say, God, I, I, I've, I've taken the reins back. I've, 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 I've stepped back into that steering wheel. Like I've been trying to drive my own life, but I need to give it back to you and I need to ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna be right up here. I'm gonna ask that Pastor Amy's right up here. And we want to introduce you to, to him. And if that's not you today, what I'm going to ask is that you worship Jesus because he's worthy of our praise. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to pray for someone who you know that is far from Jesus. And the Lord's been laying on your heart, tell them about Jesus. And you're like, I can't, I don't, I don't want it to be awkward or, you know, Thanksgiving is a great opportunity because it's already awkward. But instead of talking about politics around it, Talk about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, if God's been telling you to share the gospel, to tell someone about Jesus, if he's been telling you that, that means he's been working on their heart. He's been working in their life. Because God never tells you to do something unless he's done the homework on the other end. And so I'm going to be right up here. Amy's going to be right up here. And if you need to recommit your life or you need Jesus or you need prayer, I want, I want you to respond. And um, if you're, and I also want you to worship if you don't need to, if, if, you, if you don't. So let, let's respond. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. Where every demon trembles. 
This is a house of healing. Our hearts are full of failure. You have our full attention. You have the final crazy. Everyone's going to be praying at once. Don't worry. We're Christians. That's what we do. And we're going to call out names of loved ones of people who need Jesus. Maybe they're not a family member. Maybe they're a co-worker that the Lord's just really laid on your heart. And we're going to pray for them, okay? Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment right now in response. Let's just pray in the mighty name of Jesus.
and, and, and th- this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is where it's going to take faith, okay? Like, we, we are called to operate in faith, okay? So I want you to pray this. God, use me to, to sow seeds of the gospel to them. All right, now make that your own prayer. church, your mighty church, your pure church, your church. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit fall upon us, Lord, that we might be an advocate for truth and we, we might be seed planters of the gospel. Oh, Lord, let us be harvesters of the gospel. Lord, if we're not planting, Lord, help us to be watering. If we're not watering, help us be harvesting. And if we're not harvesting, help us be planting in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you. Thank you. Before before we leave, though, this is, um, I want to pray. I want to pray for Max and Keisha. I want to pray for Max and Keisha. They're not U.S. missionaries. They're not part of AGWM or uh, um, AGUSM. Is, is 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 that right? They're not, they're not part of that, but they are part of the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And so with that said, they still have to raise a budget. They still have to do all that to plant this church. And let me tell you, and, and Max referenced this earlier, and I'm not going to preach. I know I, um, I'm, I might make a guest appearance in one of these fall weeks later, but... I've been really chewing on this. If God tells us to go, all the power, all the authority, and all the resources are are in our obedience to the go. All the power, resources, and authority are in the go of God. And all we have to do is say, okay, and step. When when Jesus fed the 5,000, we say Jesus fed the 5,000, but a point of correction Jesus didn't feed anyone in fact Jesus didn't even do a miracle that's heresy he didn't go read it doesn't take a miracle to take five loaves and break it into 12 pieces it doesn't take a miracle to break three fish into 12 pieces the miracle was in this statement you feed them his disciples said how are we going to feed them Jesus said you feed them that was where the miracle was. And then they took the pieces that was not a miracle from God. It says Jesus broke, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. And get this, they broke it and gave it into the multitudes. Fifteen to 20,000 people broke into groups of 100. They just kept breaking it. And their obedience to the command, you feed them, put the miracle in other people's hand. 
And I'm telling you, Max and Keisha, because you're walking in obedience, your miracle is going to be put into the miracle. You're going to see miracle after miracle after miracle in the mighty name of Jesus. Freedom, resources, I'm telling you. Because you stepped, you're feeding them, and, and, and you're going to just be breaking it. You're going to keep breaking it. You're going to keep breaking it. You're going to keep breaking it. And they're going to keep breaking it. And they're going to keep breaking it. The disciples, 12 of them didn't feed fifteen to 20,000 people. They just kept breaking it. Because of this, the miracle was in their obedience. All the resources, all the authority, all the power was in the go. Was in you feed them. Was in the command. And so, guys, can you come forward? I know this is like, this is traditional. This is what, this is what churches do, but this is what churches do. We pray. And they need resources. They, they need a building to meet in. Um, they need a house. They need, the, like, they, 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 like, God's working some things out, but they need that interest rate to be low. Right now, this is not the time to buy a house. Can I get an Amen. Thanks, inflation. Um, but God says, I'm your provider. God says, the fact is, inflation's high. Fact is, prices are going up. Fact is, you don't have a place. Facts are this. But the truth is, God says, I'm your provision. God says, I'm your resources. The truth is, God says, I'm your healer. The truth is, God says, I'm your salvation. The truth, I mean, God's truth trumps fact every time. So let's pray for this couple. Let's pray for their family. Let's just pray that 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 God does everything they need to, to grow his kingdom in Shelbyville. And let's pray that God resources us so we can resource them. Father, I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh Lord, we lift up this couple. Lord, we pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you resource them. Lord, we pray right now that you open doors that they don't even need, know they need to open. Lord, I pray right now that you will provide locations that they're not even looking at, but it's going to be right dead in the middle of everything like, like what they said. I pray that you, will, that you will even now put relationships on someone else's radar that, that they need. Lord Jesus, I thank you that this church will be planted next year. I thank you for the hundreds of people whose lives are going to be changed. Generations are going to be changed in this community because of their obedience, because of the you feed them. And they said, okay, let's feed them. And Lord, I pray right now against every attack, every lie, everything that might the enemy might come and throw at them. Lord, your word says when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a banner against him. I pray that you raise up that banner right now. Lord, I thank you right now for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. I thank you for the anointing. Lord, let your anointing flood them and let your name be glorified in Shelbyville. Let your name be glorified in the Southern household. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Can you hand me a faith promise? Guys, I love missions. Jesus, he could have said any number of things at the end, after he rose. 
But what he said was, all power and authority are given to me. So go into all the world and make disciples and preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what he said. That's our commission. Columbia needs that. Shelbyville needs that. And the world needs that. That's why we do this every year. We remind us, fill it out. And if, you, if you're like, oh, I forgot, that's fine. Just turn it in. Just turn it in whenever. If you have it, turn it in. But this is the heart of God. This is just a piece of paper, actually. But getting that gospel to people who are lost. You can be seated. I'm about to pray, and we're going to go. It's, it's all good. But this is it. We, we can't go to Shelbyville. We can't go to, we might be able to go to Murfreesboro, you know, Spring Hill, all that. But we support missionaries from around the world. In fact, you guys just worked on an Indian reservation like last week or so. Bahama. Okay. Yeah. Like helping. How many kids are, on average, do you know that are impacted by that camp? Yeah. Oh, hurricane. But now, but you're getting back. Hundreds of kids, thousands of kids have been through there. Heard the gospel. 50 years. You know, how many generations are changed by that? We can't all go, but we can all do something. And I'm, I'm never pressured anyone. That's why I've always said pray about it. If God says, I want you to give $5 a month, God could take $5 and multiply it because he's really good at multiplication. But all he needs, all he needs is us to say, okay, I'll feed him. If it's a dollar, it's a dollar. I want you to pray and turn it in. That's it. And then, and then do it. And because of that, we're able to get behind church plants. We're able to get behind missionaries. We're able to pour money into our community is not just born it's here right here so father i thank you so much because you are good be with your church open doors lord we we're about your your mission we're about you lord i pray that you glorify your name through us through our pocketbooks through our wills lord we lay it all down at your feet in the name of jesus have your way here, have your way in Columbia, have your way in Shelbyville, and may your name be glorified. Amen. I love you guys.